This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay, we're also learning for Yeshua and Eretz Yisrael that um, all the soldiers, wherever they are, all the Jews in Eretz Yisrael should be safe. Kreshbrook should protect us. I think that, um, I don't know if everyone's really getting it, but um, the amount of missiles that have been shot into Eretz Yisrael and the amount of, of people that have been hurt by it is absolutely miraculous. Uh, I don't think that we understand what a missile is. We think it's like a firecracker. But if you see the houses that it hits, it's, it's total destruction. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu's mamish, it's Nisim and Aflaz. They're just shooting and shooting and shooting. And and some people still don't get it. They think it's the Iron Dome. Um, I personally don't even think the Iron Dome works. Hashem just using it so that you don't realize that it's Him. It's absolutely big, big Nisim for Klai to see. And I think the more we appreciate the Nisim, the better we'll get into Eretz, the better we'll get into Eretz Yisrael. Not technology and, and not because they don't know what they're doing, but um, he's really, really protecting us. Many, many stories coming out of Eretz Yisrael. All right, so we're in the three weeks. Um, a couple of directors I want to talk about. I, I want to tell you what's going on with uh, Baruch Hashem, the book. Um, the Hakarsa Tov book is finished. It's been given in to Art Scroll. They're, they're editing right now, and we hope it'll be out of Mitzvah Hashem in about four weeks. Um, dedications out of the 354 days that can be dedicated. Baruch Hashem, today we hit day 235. Wow. So, um, so we're getting there. And I don't know, some people thought I said two weeks ago that it's sold out. It's not sold out. There's still about 120 dedications left. And, um, Whoever can help us, whoever can dedicate Baruch Hashem. And besides that, very exciting. Um, Yonah Weinberg was in my office today. He's doing the Seyfus Ikarain, the Seyfus Echreinais. And we decided to put in the beginning of the Sefer, um, Kriya Shema Lamita, that he's doing with his designs, English and Hebrew. And um, next year, at this time, you could be sitting with your book, writing what someone did good for you today. Uh, what Hashem did good for you today, fathers, mothers, sisters, brothers, whatever, friends, children, teachers. So um, we're very, very excited. I think that if everyone in Clarksville writes a Karkar Sato book, the Rosh Hashanah, everyone's going to come with the Karkar Sato book. Uh, Hashem's going to open up his Sefer Zechreinais, and Mashiach's definitely going to come. Yes? When is Avinu Malkeinu? Avinu Malkeinu, there are 13 of them this year. Um, Brook, yeah, we're in, we're everywhere. Um, Chicago, no, Detroit, Baltimore, Miami, LA, Eric Brooklyn College will be Monday night after Rosh Hashanah. Mitzvah Hashanah. After Rosh Hashanah. Yes, there's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff going on. Baruch Hashem. A lot of things going on. Like I told you, there's a mission that says the following. There's a mission in Pergelis that says, Lo Alecha Hamalacha Ligmar. It's not for you to finish the work, right? It's just for you to to do. It's a very hard mission to understand. I tried to use it when I was in school, and it never worked. I came, I did a quarter of my homework. The teacher said, Rebbe said, where's your homework? You only did a few lines. I'm like, it's a Mishnah. Mishnah said it's not for you to finish the work. But it didn't work. Um, but So what is this Mishnah really saying? It sounds like that this Mishnah is really not a, a mission that we want to teach our children. What do you mean? You start, what's the famous saying? You start something, finish it. Right? Everyone knows that saying, I'm sure. You've heard it from your parents more than once. You start something, finish it. The mission says, it's not for you to finish. So which one is right? So the answer is that that mission is translated very wrong. Lo alecha hamalacha ligmor means that if a person thinks... Right? That they could finish something. So a human being can only finish it to a certain level. There's a finite level. But if you give it over to Hashem, in other words, you start it, you have this idea, you start it, right? Even though it looks like it's impossible, don't get nervous. Oh my gosh, it's not gonna happen. How can I do this? I don't have the time, I don't have the money. No. Hashem wants you to start it. He'll finish it. And if He finishes it, then it's infinite. So, a person has to understand that in their life, it keeps people from doing a lot of things that they should do. It's like they don't even want to, I can't, I'm not gonna, I can't, I'm not gonna start something that I can't finish. Right? It's just an excuse. You start it. 
Hashem will give you the Seat Shmaya if you're doing it for the right reasons. Hashem will give you the Seat Shmaya, you know, to finish. You know the famous story with the carob tree takes 70 years for it to give fruit, right? So he didn't want to plant this carob tree and, and in the end he fell asleep under and he woke up 70 years later and he saw that this carob tree, this little carob plant he planted grew into a tree and people were eating the fruits, right? It's not always for, for you today, but the fruits of a person's actions. So, if we think we can finish something, then we're only going to get to a certain to a certain level. But if we understand that if you start it and you have the Seth and the Shemaya, that, that it'll happen, then it will happen in a much bigger way. So people ask me, a book, or this, or that, or Nava, Teres Nava, I'm, trying, I'm working on a rehab right now, all these things, how can you do so many things? The answer is I'm not, I just start them all. I start a lot of things, HaKadosh Baruch Hu takes care of the rest. So we had this idea two years ago in Purim to write this book, and Baruch Hashem, it's, it's coming to fruition. So that's a pe- yes. Will you announce about the book? Will I announce? Of course, I'm going to announce about the book. Of course, Mitzvah we'll will have it together. So we have all these unbelievable poems that um, that Nancy has been saying over the uh-huh. I'm sorry, the has been saying over the past. Um, couple of years and they're amazing and you could really see by her poems from poem one to the last poem you could see her travel talking about Hashem and Amuna and about all kinds of good things a little bit darkness in the first few poems all of a sudden it gets very light all of a sudden she's a seagull she's flying over the ocean Gansamaisis all kinds of things going on so we decided that um, we're going to print a book Mirza Hashem we're just right now trying to get a publisher and we're going to publish Nechama's poems they're on a very high level, on a you know literary level, and I, I think that it might become a bestseller. Who knows? Thank you. you never know. Thank you. But her poems are amazing, and Mitzvah uh, Hashem, we're hoping that maybe we'll have it by we're going to try to have it by Avina Malkenu, where we have twenty six hundred women. So that's a lot of books, Mitzvah Hashem. Listen, you uh, have given a lot of people chizik. I get emails that people want to meet you. Thank Seriously, you. you have to let me know if uh, we can send them over. Right, Sandy from Kansas, right. So maybe we can just fill up a bus and just drop them off at your house? Yeah, all right? Okay. Anyway, Baruch Hashem. Never say never. You girls don't know Nechama when she first came here. You have no idea of the transformation. Talk about caterpillars to butterflies. She's already more than a butterfly. Unbelievable. And her life, what she went through and the struggles that this woman has gone through. And to write such beautiful poetry about Hashem... Is, is amazing. It's amazing. And we appreciate it very much, Nakama. Okay, you'll thank me later. For my personal evolution and, and my development as an artist, both my spiritual evolution, which comes first, and my super- We don't belong in that. We don't believe in evolution. Revolution. The spiritual revolution. Yes, thank you, thank you. Everybody just, that's it, you have to try, you have to start. Okay, how did you come here? Why did you come here the oh, first time? Because I saw an advertisement in the newspapers saying Jewish women interested in self-development and actualization. Okay. actualization caught me. The actualization caught you, okay. Baruch Hashem. Hashem caught you. And he held you by your hand, and he walked you into Arnava. That's what really happened. And may yep. I also say, without taking away from anything, I am asymptomatic when I come here. I have symptoms from my illness. And at Arnava, I'm totally asymptomatic. God is in the room. All right. So we're going to start off... Um, the very, very um, interesting Mishnah. It's in Perik Sheni and Perikayavos. And the Mishnah says the following, which I think is very, very, very important to all of us. It's the, um, it's the first Mishnah in Perik Sheni, if you want to look at it. And the Mishnah says, Rebbe Omer, Rebbe Yehuda Hanasi, who wrote down the Mishnah, Re, he's called Rebbe, our, our Rebbe. Omer, he said the following, Ezuhu derech yeshara shiyavaloya adam. Which is the proper path that a man should choose for himself? Whenever it is good for himself, it, it's, it's beautiful for himself, and at the same time, 
it's beautiful for other people. Now, what does that mean? That means that when you do something, right, um, the path that you should pick it's an interesting thing because you, you know, what, what do people pick? With, what you want to choose? What you want to do in your life? How do you know what path to pick? It's pretty much what the mission is asking. How do you know what path? So I have to tell you that I, not that my daughters had to listen to me, but um, I very, very much wanted that my children, my daughters, the field that they would go into, would be something that has to do with people, to help people. I didn't want them to go into business. And, and, and Baruch Hashem, my oldest is a speech therapist, and next one's an OT and, and special ed. And, and, but at the same time, if the person, they don't like it, right? You, you, you want your daughter to be a nurse. You want your daughter to be a doctor. But it's not to Ferris Law Yiseha. She doesn't like it. It doesn't make her happy, right? Then, then it's not going to work out in the end. A person has to look at what makes them happy, what is good for them. That's the derech that a person should go in as far as working with people, as far as what you feel comfortable at. Because that is, that is the, what you're going to develop, what you're going to enjoy the most, what you enjoy. If you go to work every day and you enjoy what you're doing, which we're going to, we're going to learn another mission that's connected to this, you enjoy what you're doing, you're going to want to go. There's a, there are people that, you know, that work and, 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 and I'm an employer, right? The people that work for me, I mean, not for, not for me, because the girls that work for me are all great. They won't let me into the office, they're watching this year. But, but there are people that work for you that they don't really enjoy what they're doing. So they're, they come to the job and it's nine to five and they're moping around, they do their job. Then there are people that are very excited about what they do. It's a very, it's a very, very different person. So he says here, what's the right way? What should you choose? You should choose something that makes, that's teferis for you, that makes you feel good. That, that, teferis is, is, uh, is a, is a stronger word than that. Um, he says credit, but it's more than that. But the first little bit of Adam. But if it's only good for you, but it's not good for the people around you, then it's wrong. In other words, if you're doing something and like you feel great, but everyone around you feels miserable because of what you're doing, you should know automatically that 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 your judgment was wrong. So when when you make a decision to do something, you have to take everybody else into consideration. There's another shot that it means something else. Anything that's beautiful, that's good to the one that made you. In other words, it's something that's good in the eyes of Hashem, and at the same time, it's good in the eyes of people. Now, we're not talking about Rishon, we're talking about, we're talking about good people. There's a Mishnah in Pekei Elvis that says, how does one know, how does one know if God loves this person? How do you know? You don't know what God, who God loves, who God doesn't love. It's a very interesting Mishnah. And the Mishnah says, how do you know if God loves you? How do you know if God loves this other person? If people love that person, then you know that Hashem loves that person. So you can have a person, you can have a person, and she's the greatest girl, and she does all kinds of chesed, but she's miserable. Right? On, in a different part of her life, she's like a miserable person. So, you have this woman, she's giving shiurim, she's unbelievable. Nobody likes her. Cause she, she, she talks behind people's backs. She has a temper. The mission says Hashem doesn't like her either. If you want to know if you are liked by God, if you are not liked by people, we're talking about good people. We're not talking about someone who's good and the bad people don't like you. We're talking about if you're not liked by people around you, normal people, and you should know that you're not liked in Shemayim. I say this. I said this a few times by a funeral, where I knew the person was very loved by people, and I'm like, you got nothing to worry about because the Mishnah says if this person's loved by people, then they're loved. In, they're loved by Shemayim. So if whatever you're doing, right, you know, sometimes you're being very. Some people can be very, very from, but they're they're criticizing people, and the people like they don't want to go. They don't want to go near her. Like she's always down, and she's always depressed, and she's always angry. And nobody wants to go near her. Then, then what she's doing, Hashem's not happy with. Yes, I don't hear you. Hashem's not happy with what you're doing. He loves us all. He's not. He doesn't love what you're doing. You know, there, we we love our children, but we don't always love what our children are doing. We are children to Hashem. So I've, I've dealt with many kids that are off the derech, and the parents said to me, "If you think I love my daughter any different because she keeps Shabbos and she doesn't keep Shabbos, I love her the same." But I don't love what she's doing. So Hashem loves us, but He doesn't love us. He doesn't love what we're doing. So if you want to know if you're doing the right thing, if it's causing other people to hate you, right? Then, 
again, not something where you're standing up for Hashem and people don't like what you said. That's not what I'm saying. People don't like you. This person, like, stay away from her. She's, she's miserable. That's not a person that's loved by Hashem. So forget about looking at other people. You have to look at yourself. Do people like me? Am I nice to people? Am I a good person that people like me? People like to be around me. The answer is no, then they're not happy with you in Shemayim. Suppose you're an angry person that people like you. <laughs> then Hashem likes you. Then <laughs> Hashem likes you. But most, most people don't like angry people. So maybe you're angry privately, nobody knows about it. But, but public, ang- pub- public angry people are not, uh, don't get along with other people. Yes, what you want to ask? You have to talk lo- loud because I have air conditioning blowing in my hair. So the charismatic people that are really not good and people like them, uh, the real people do not like them. Because real people know who is real and who isn't. And the other person who's very, a very good person and some people don't like them, the real people know exactly who the good people are and who are not. There's a whole thing, which, which is not my tonight's share, there's a whole thing that a lot of people in this room and a lot of people in this world do not understand, do not know. If you remove all your outside stuff, the truth is that our souls talk to each other. So in the physical world, we talk through our mouth and, and we can, we can, we, and we can hear. But if you, the, the further you get away from the physical, you get what's called the third eye, which means that you can see things that are not seen with the other two eyes, but you could also, you could also feel things. So, when a person is, is very honest and very real, they're able, their, their souls, you want to call hearts, whatever, know that the person who's talking to them, the charismatic person, that that's really, that whole thing is false. Because what's talking to, what's looking at that charismatic person is the other person's soul. And you can't fool a soul. And we see from, from the Dib book, many different stories of a Dib book, which is a, a neshama that goes into someone else's body. The story that happened in the times of the Chafetz Chaim and other times, the Deer Book, every person, I mean, I know a crazy story um, that happened here in Flatbush. I would say, I would say about 35 years ago, where a girl um, had a Deer Book, where another soul went into her. And how did they know she had a Deer Book? Because she was talking without moving her lips. And she was talking, she was a girl, and there was a, a boy's voice. A dibuk. And so this is Machlaikis, how could that be? Because it's brought down that the dibukim stopped happening since they were good. But anyway, to make a long story short, so the father called this big tzaddik, this big rub, and the rub looked at her, and he saw that this taka, there was something very, very wrong. Her eyes were back, whatever. It was a very, very sad situation. And so they sent for these three big rabbis to come in there and take the dibuk with names, with shamus, to make the dibuk leave. They opened the window to make the dibuk leave. Anyway, to make a long story short, every single one that went into the room to try to get them out, the dibuk would say every avera that the person did. You, you're a rabbi, you stand there whenever, when the women go home for Shabbos and you looked at this one and you thought this, he ran out of the room. Next guy walked in. You don't treat your wife right. You you do this to your wife. You do that. He left the room. He ripped. He ripped all three of them. He saw everything that they did wrong. Not Hashem. How could you see that? He's not Hashem. It's a dibuk. It's a it's an Hashemah that's not a good. It's 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 a stuck soul, right? And the answer is, when a soul, a soul is out of the body, a soul sees the other soul. On the other soul, you see everything. From one end of the world to the other. So in the end, how do I know this story? Right? I wasn't, I wasn't one of the three. No. No. What? So I'll tell you what happened. So I was very close to a very big tzaddik, Machluf Lasri, who was sort of my Rebbe. I was very, very close to him in Eretz Yisrael, in Beit Shan. And he was, um, he was the biggest in Kabbalah. He was the biggest in Kamea. He wrote Kameas, uh, for the Baba Sali. Very, very holy man. Very scary. I, I told the story. I heard on 
on the shear today, so they pulled it from two, three years ago. I told, I'll tell you a story that happened with Machluf. I mean, I have a lot of stories of Machluf, but I'll tell you a story about Machluf so you understand that the less physical you are, the more spiritual you are. Like your question, you can't fake, you can't fake a real person. So they know when you're putting on a show. So, so I came into the, so the first time I met him, okay, the first time I met him, this old, old man, he was 105 years old, lived in Beit Shan, Moroccan, Machluf, Lasri. And I heard all kinds of crazy stories about him. And in those days, I was very into Kabbalah. So I wanted to, you know, I wanted to know all the tricks. I wanted to, see. so you had to meet him. He was the king. He was the, he was the Rosh Hashiva of Mukubalam. Okay. So I walk in there with a, a relative of mine. And he's sitting across the room. And I, I walk in. And all of a sudden, he yells at this relative of mine. You have to stop saying Hashem, this is this week's Pasha, is about Nidharma, about making promises. And he starts screaming, you have to stop saying Hashem's name in vain. You know, I say Hashem's name in vain. Now, this person, me, the first time we walk in there, what this person always used to say, that I always told this person, stop saying it. You know, I say it. Oh my God. Every five seconds. Oh my God. Oh my God. Every time she got a phone. Oh my God. And you know, I say that. You know, I say Hashem's name in vain. I'm, I'm teaching you, so I'm allowed to say it. But, you know, I say Hashem's name in vain. You're not allowed to say, oh my God. You know, I say, oh my gosh. That's what, you know, but you can't say Hashem's name. This rabbi didn't know this person. Never spoke to this person. I never spoke to him. Just looked at her across the room and said, don't you ever say Hashem's name. You say it all the time. She looks at me like, did you talk to him? I'm like, first of all, he only talks Moroccan. I don't talk Moroccan. I said, no, I never said a word. He saw, right, he could see when all this, he was so holy that he saw the neshama. He saw other things. A guy that I brought in, he was like, you have, uh, and you draw this and that. It was crazy stuff. He might have showed across the world. It was crazy stuff. And my friends, were, I have Aiden. They were with me. They could tell you, yes, this happened. I was with Robert Walston when it happened. Anyway, so this Dibbuk says, now I don't tell crazy, you know, I'm, if I tell you a story, the whole world is watching it. So I'm not telling you a story that I made up because everyone's going to call me and say, right? So this is a story that I know that is true. So the Dibbuk says to the rabbis, who are now in the other room, and it's screaming, and it's like, you can't do anything to me. I am never leaving. There are only two people in the world that can hurt me. One of them is in Israel, and he's an old man, so he's not coming. And the other one is in Borough Park, the Rachmach Ritzner Rebbe, and he do, he's very Kaddish, he could do this, but he doesn't, he doesn't deal with this. So I am not scared, because the two people that could hurt me, that could take me out, will not take me out. So the minute they heard Machluf Lasri, they went to, they called Eretz Yisrael, they went to Eretz Yisrael, and they told them, you have to come to America, and you got, you got to help this girl. She's, she's, mom's dying. You have to help her. And he said, no can do. Because the minute I leave Eretz Yisrael, I leave, I, Eretz Yisrael won't protect me, this neshama can kill me. I'm not, I'm not leaving Eretz Yisrael, but I'll write a Kamea. And he gave it to someone that I know. And he said, I want you to take this Kamea. Kamea is parchment with letters of, names of Malachim on it. He says, I want you to take this Kamea. You cannot speak. You cannot speak a word. Travel to America. Go to her room. Open the window. Put the Kamea on her chest. And he will leave. You cannot mention, you cannot say one word. So this guy went. He comes to the airport and he can't talk. He cannot talk. So he comes to the airport with someone else and this other person is like, he cannot talk. He's on a mission. They're like, <laughs> right? And Lamaisa, he made it. He made it to the house. Didn't say one word. And put the Kamea on her chest. The window was shattered. Shattered. The Neshama left the window. Totally shattered the whole window. Gone. That was it. I know the story from Machluf. I know the story from the guy who carried it. I know the story from the guy who went with him. That this is what happened. They were standing in the woods. The whole window shattered. Why am I telling you this story? Not that, not to scare you. I'm telling you this story because the kayach of, of this dibuk, of this neshama, to see everything that every person walked in the room, saw everything all about them, is because a person who's very real and is not with all the 
technology and the outside stuff and all the disturbances, but it's connected to his soul, you can't fool a soul. You cannot fool a soul. So those people, to answer your question, all that stuff, the actors and all that stuff, they're like, there's something about this person I don't like, even though everyone likes them, they're putting on a show, but the person who really knows, so that's really what the mission is talking about. The mission is talking about a bunch of actors, oh, I love this actor, I love this musician, that's not what's going on, that's not what, the, it's talking about a person who people just like in general because they're a nice, good person, is a person that, in Hashem's eyes, is Matzachem. That's what it says. This, this happened, I was, I'm going to give away my age, a little bit more, maybe 37 years ago. And that, no, no, I never heard lately of a divot, no, Bach Hashem. No, it's pretty weird stuff. Anyway, those years of my Kabbalah training is long time, I stopped that, st- I stopped it, but... The exorcist, right, but, but it wasn't a, it's not a priest, okay. Anyway, yes, I don't want to get into that whole subject, I just went off a little bit. She was very, very sick. So they had to, they, they, they had to save her life. She was very, very sick. Right, so, so, so I, that's why I don't want to get into the whole Dibbuk. If I gave a Dibbuk share, we'd probably sell out. But I don't want to get into the whole Dibbuk, the whole Dibbuk share. But it's, you, it's the story, I don't want to get into the story with her. But there was a story with her and there was a reason that that soul had permission to go in. She, 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 whatever. Something happened really bad. No, yeah, there was a, there was a story with her. And the old stories of the Dibbuk, the story about the Chafetz Chaim, with the story where she drank water in the morning, Right? She drank water in the morning that was uncovered. You're not, supposed, you're not allowed to leave water uncovered a whole night. So there's that whole story the Chavetz Chaim sent, the Chavetz Chaim sent Rabbi Yisrael Salant, I believe, to do, to do the, uh, to get it out. So it's, it's happened in the years, but I mean now, pretty much, the, according to the big tzaddikim, it's no more because we don't have anyone that has the kayak to take him out. Hashem never gives a, a sick, a machla that can't be healed. So the, they said that, the big Dalem today say it's, it happened in Eretz Yisrael. It was a little bit while back, about 10 years ago. Just happened in Eretz Yisrael with this big rabbi, but they said it wasn't true. They said it wasn't true. What? It's not a question of holding. We know he hailed from the Chavetz Chaim. It's a fact. It's written down. The story of the Chavetz Chaim. I'm sure, I mean, whatever. It's not something to write about. But how we know, we know for sure it happened by the Chavetz Chaim. That's for sure. So, and, and before that, it's written down, it's written down in, in, in other places. It's not so hard, it's another neshama. Neshamas have a koyach to, to see neshamas. Okay, and that's why I, I gave a shir a long time ago, which I got a lot of reaction, but I got a little bit the wrong reaction. I quoted from a safe, I don't know if you remember this, that, um, yeah, it was my whole story on the airplane with The Hobbit, with that movie. So, so, so that if you, if somebody gets up and preaches, Right? Let's say, let's say somebody gets up and preaches anti-movies. And that person, and, and gives, he gets up and he gives a sheer against movies and how fake they are and you turn on the lights and the, the, there's no movie anymore after you turn on the lights. And he gives this crazy sheer and there's 500 women there and they're like, that's it. I never heard such a sheer. That's it. I'm done with my DVDs. I'm burning them in the pace. I, right? If he himself goes home and he himself watches movies, but he gave a shit not to watch movies, they will all end up still watching movies. Why? The person who's preaching, the person who's speaking, if he himself doesn't keep what he's saying, there's no way for the other people that are listening to change. Why? Because a neshama, right, talks to another neshama. So if, if I'm talking about movies and I'm watching, I'm watching movies, I'm telling you not to watch movies. So my soul has movies in it. Now, right, so my words that are coming out of my soul are going into your soul. So, the words I'm talking out here are saying, don't go to movies, it's very bad for you, and technology and all that. But the words that are going into your soul are saying, what do you mean, he watches movies. Why shouldn't you? He's your Rebbe and he's watching movies. Why shouldn't you? So, 
what happens is that even though you're talking about it, right, if you yourself do it, the people that you're talking to can't change. So what happened? I get emails after that shear. Oh my gosh! I went to this lady's shear. Everyone thinks she's a big tzaddikista. She talked about sneers, and I'm still not a tznuah. Must be at home. She's really not a tznuah behind her doors. No. That's not what I said. Okay? What I said is that, that if you don't change, that's of course your she has to give her share, but you cannot change from her share if she's doing the wrong that she's telling you not to do. So people's neshamas, yeah, the, the, the more holy you are, the more the neshama talks to the neshama. So, it's, uh, so you can't really fool the real people, don't get fooled. You're not fooling Rav Chaim Kayanevsky, and you didn't fool Rapam, and you're not fooling Rav Moshe Feinstein, you're not fooling them. They can feel and see exactly What's going on? You wanted to ask something? It's a very good question. It's a very good question. So what she's asking is as follows. I'm giving a speech on Lashon Hara. And I'm struggling with Lashon Hara. So I'm talking Lashon Hara, right? And I'm telling you not to talk Lashon Hara, but I'm trying to work on myself. I'm trying to listen to what I'm saying to change myself. Could I still change you? So if I present that, I believe, if I present that when I'm giving the shear, that I am struggling with Lashon Hara, and I'm working on myself, and I want you to listen to, I'm speaking to myself, and I'm letting you listen in, I think that it will work. But if I present to you, I don't tell you that. I just tell you you can't talk Lashon Hara and it's, it's going to destroy you and your family and everything. And I'm a big Lashon Hara talker. It won't work. So, it's a very good question. But if I present it first, that really I'm speaking to myself. You're listening in. Okay, so you're giving yourself more, sir. Fine. So that she's listening in. That's going to help. Good question. Okay. So, I totally wasn't going to talk about this tonight. All right. I, I walk in and I said... Hashem, somebody in here needs to hear it. Maybe it's me. Probably it's me. Right. Okay. So now he goes on. The Mishnah goes on. And he says, You have to be careful with these easy little mitzvahs as much as the hard mitzvahs. Because you don't know the reward of mitzvahs. So you don't know what... You, you, oh, it's a little mitzvah. I'm not going to do it. It's a big mitzvah. I will do it. How do we know that? The Torah shows us a proof. There are two mitzvahs in the Torah that says, if you do it, Laman Yibun Yemecha, that you're going to live long. Kivud of the aim, which is by far the hardest mitzvah to keep. We're all witnesses to that. It's very hard to keep Kivud of aim like Kalacha. It's, it's always a struggle. It's always a struggle for children to keep Kivud of aim Kalacha. If you took out Hilchas Kivud of the aim, which I started learning a while back, you'll see that if they slap you and beat you and spit in your face and curse you, you're not allowed to say anything. You can walk away, but you're not allowed to say anything. If they take all your money and they throw it into the ocean, you're not allowed to say anything. So, if you really keep Hilchus Kibbut of Aim, it's almost impossible to keep. What's the reward? You're going to live long. There's one other mitzvah that says that. You go past a nest, there's eggs, there's a bird sitting on it, and you go, shoo! And you get rid of the bird, and you take the eggs, same reward. Kibbutz of Aim is your whole life. It's a struggle because our parents are criticizing us and how they're bringing us up. It's a struggle your whole life. Walking by a nest, shooing a bird, same reward. Why does the Torah tell us the reward for these two? To show us that it doesn't go by how hard it looks like in your eyes. That's why these are the two extremes. Shooing a bird and keeping Kibbutz of Aim, that's the hardest and that's the easiest. Same reward. So the mission is saying, that's over here, don't you try to, don't try to figure what's a big mitzvah, what's a little mitzvah. Whatever mitzvah you have in front of you, even if you think it's a nothing, it's not a big mitzvah, do it because from the smallest mitzvahs come the craziest and the biggest stories. Now he says like this. This will help everyone. Think about, right? Oh, I'm spending so much time doing this mitzvah. Oh, it cost me so much. Oh, it's not so easy. 
right? How much I'm losing. The mission says, think about how much you're losing, opposite of how much you're gaining. If you think about before a mitzvah, how much you're gaining, it's for eternity, it's forever, it's for life, right? Then you would definitely not worry about how much money you're spending to do it. Because you're only thinking right now, what, right now it's hard, I don't know. So the mission says, think about the loss of the mitzvah, the loss that you're losing to do the mitzvah, connected to schar. And the Aveira, the other way around. Schar Aveira, I'm having a party. Today you have Seder, yeah, but you're having a momentary pleasure. But what's the loss in the next world? The greatest enemy of the Yetzirah. People ask me, like, how do you fight your Yetzirah? The greatest enemy of the Yetzirah is to... Anyone here know? What's the greatest enemy of the Yetzirah? To think. He doesn't want you to think. So the, the Yetzirah comes to you and you're like, okay... You know, I, I can tell you, I, I have a cho- we all know that. I love chocolate, right? And it's really not good for me. So when I think, and I'm like, when I eat that chocolate, my blood sugar is going to go way high, not healthy for my heart, and I'm going to get into a whole schmooze, I'm not going to eat the chocolate. But you don't think, chocolate, ooh! And afterwards you're like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Anything that you do, most of the big sins that a person do is because you had no thinking process. You didn't sit there and try to figure out consequence, his biggest weapon is, don't think, like Asa when he was, when the Malach was fighting Yaakov, and he said, what's your name? Mashmecha, what's your name? Right? What did he say? What did he answer him? What do you need to know my name for? Right? That's my name. Don't, what do you have to think? What are you thinking about this? Just do. Nike, right? Just do it! That's it. They're the biggest company in sneakers in the world. Just do it. Don't think about it. Just do it. That works. It sold very well for them. So he's saying over here, no, think. When a person thinks a lot of things, not only sins and, and averes, when a person thinks in life, if he thinks before he does things, and he thinks after he does things, you have a much, much more productive life. The kayach, his kayach, the Yitzhah is don't think. Party. Just do it. Okay, let's end the mission. The mission says the following. Think about three things. And you won't come to do a sin. Know what is above you. Ayin Roya. There's an eye that watches. Oizin Shamas. There's an ear that hears. And everything is written down in your Sefer. I want you to know that when I first learned this Mishnah 40 years ago, 45 years ago, 45 years ago, the first time I learned this Mishnah, it was like amazing to me. What do you mean? Hashem, Hashem has a movie, and he sees everything, and he hears everything, and everything is written. There are a billion people, I don't know, more than a billion, 10 billion people in the world. How can you hear everybody and see everybody? But today, we realize, right, with your new internet access, that, that you could see a lot of things at one time. You can hear a lot of things at one time. They have televisions now that you can watch five shows at one time and record one, right? And so, so HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us the ability to, to understand that, that there's an, an, uh, an ear listening and there's an eye watching, right? And everything is written. Everything is written and everything is in the email. It's all there. And I have to tell you something. Um, I don't know, it was a few weeks ago, one of my friends called me up and he said that um, he's going down to Atlantic City and he knows that I don't, no way, right? I, I'm not, I don't go whatever it is. And he's like, Come on, I'm just going down. I need someone to go with me. It's really just going for business, whatever it is. He said, and then we'll have something to eat, whatever, you know, and, 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 eh, maybe we'll go inside a casino. I said, you know, I don't know, whatever it is. He says, nah, what are you worried about for five minutes? And I'm like, now let me tell you the new age. Listen carefully to what I'm about to tell you, which wouldn't have happened 17 years ago. I said to him the following. I said, let me ask you something. Imagine I walked into the casino with you. I'm just standing there. And some kid who knows who I am takes a picture of Rabbi Wallerstein standing at a casino with a waitress behind him or chips or whatever it is or a table. Now they take that picture and they post it and they put it onto YouTube. So do you know how fast it will go viral? Do you know that no one will ever come to a share of mine? They will burn my tapes because I'm a hypocrite. I'm the guy who talks against this and you're right. So I said, the internet 
right? I am more scared, right? That cut the shalom. Someone's going to take a picture of me in the wrong place, and then everyone's going to see I'm a faker. And every, right? in the old days, what could you do with a picture? You'd have to print it. And today, you take a picture, and it's viral in one second. So I said to him, one second, I'm scared to walk, to go anywhere I shouldn't be. Because you don't know who's going to take a picture. Boom, we got Wallerstein. That's it. I'm done. I'm on Vatsas Naya's Yeshiva world. I'm across the whole world. I'm done. I'm finished, right? I said, and then Shemayim, I'm worried about going viral in this world. What about viral in the next world? So you're you're scared to go on. They should take a picture of you and put you on the internet. But Hashem's taking a picture of everything that you do every moment. So now that you all understand that there's no girl here that wants a picture snapped to them, right? Somewhere they're not supposed to be because you know how fast that will hit the internet and you're not going to get a shidduch. It's going to be all over the place, right? Everyone's going to send it to everybody. It's going to be snapshot and all those other things and all these crazy stuff. And the whole world in one minute is going to know where you were or how you were dressed. So you're like, no way, I'm not taking such a chance. But the mission is saying, but Hashem's doing this all the time. He sees everything that you're doing. You're going viral in Shemayim. That's not good, Nechama, to go viral in Shemayim. That's not a good thing. No, I'm kidding. I'm just I'm... <laughs> You're not viral in Shemayim. Don't worry about it. You're just, I can talk to you. You can talk to each other. Can you imagine that? So now this Mishnah, when I learned the Mishnah, uh, what was it? A camera? You had a camera with a little yellow roll of film, and then you had to go get it developed, and you had to hope, listen to this, if you open the, the back of the camera one second before all the film was up, it's all black, you got no pictures. That's how, that's how old I am, right? Today, today, this Mishnah means so much more. So much more. When you said, what's his name? Lahavdal Elif Abdullah, Sterling, right? The guy who owned that, that, that basketball, look what happened to him. He lost his whole basketball team, everything, because the person who was sitting next to him, when he was talking, taped it on their phone, and then sent it viral. So what you say can go viral. What you, what, what, what you say, what comes out of your mouth can go viral. What you look like and what you do can go viral. So today, this Mishnah means so much more than it did when I was learning it. So if you're scared of being put on social network, you should know that in the Shemayim, you're on social network all the time. Yes? Yeah, but we're always viral. The Shemayim, God's listening. So that's what the mission is telling us. Right, but but we don't have an understanding. No, but we didn't have an understanding. What did that mean? If I would have told you 20 years ago, right, that the picture of you is going to go viral, you said, what are you talking about? One person at a time could look at my picture. Right. Now, boom. It isn't something that you don't only think of for five minutes. Something that's constantly happening. Let's start five minutes at a time. <laughs> let's start with the five. Let's start with five. Let's start with five minutes at a time. All right. So that's that Mishnah. There's a. There's a. I was going to say something about the Pasha tonight, but instead, I'm going to end. I'm going to end. We got five minutes. I want to tell you a story that happened many years ago to me, um, which has to do with a Mishnah from Rabbi Gamliel Mishnah Dalit in the same parrot and he says the following Who are you? I mean, this Mishnah really deserves a couple of hours I'm just going to do, do it in two minutes and he says the following make God's will treat God's will as if it was your own will I'll explain to that what that means in order if you treat his will like it's your own will then he will make your will his will Break your will because God doesn't want you to do that. Break your will. You want to do the wrong thing. Break your will. Why? In order, if you do that, the reward, if you break your will, I, I, really want to, I really want to go to this place I shouldn't go. But I know Hashem doesn't want me there. So even though I really want to go, I'm not going. I'm not going. Hashem says the reward for that is if someone has a will to hurt you, right? Hashem will break their will too. You broke your will for me, I'll break their will for you. Fine. But the first part of the Mishnah, 
the first part of Mishnah is a little hard to understand. I should make my, I should make his will my will, then he's going to make my will his will. What does that, what does that really mean? So I'll tell you, I want to tell you a story that happened a few years ago. You understand? So what it really means, what it really means, not, okay, I'm going to do what Hashem wants, and now, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning to be a Rolls Royce in my, you know, in my driveway. I'm going to do what Hashem wants, so tomorrow I'm going to meet the boy that, that I'm going to marry. Okay, it's, it's a much deeper, much deeper meaning. And this is, I should tell you a, 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 a short story which happened, which is an amazing story, and I'm speaking in the mountains next week, actually Thursday, about, they wanted me to speak about bad tragedy, how people deal with tragedy. We're going through very, very hard times with three boys and, and other things, and um, it's the three, three weeks. So I went, I go to Bear Mountains once a year with my, my eighth grade boys. This happened a long time ago. And I didn't really want to go to climb the mountain. I wasn't so young. But the boys really, really wanted to go. And it's a, it's, it's a graduation trip for them. We go on the mountain and I teach them because I, I know all about, you know, what you can eat, what you can't eat, how to hide from thunderstorms. And I give them this whole Boy Scout that I was taught when I was younger. I give them this whole lesson. And it's like, it's really great. I didn't really want to go. But I know that it means a big difference to them. And some of them find Hashem. On the, they don't find Hashem in the classroom, but they find God on a mountain. So we go and... We come to the road, there's a road to, to get up to this mountain, and um, the sign says it's closed. No cars, can't bring any cars up there, there's no way to get a car up there. Now, we climb up the mountain, but we don't climb down the mountain, because down the mountain, if you go down the mountain, you end up breaking your legs, because you have to slide down, it's real rocks, it's very, very hard. But I have to get a van up there, because we don't climb down the mountain. We're going to climb up the mountain, but the road's closed. I can't get the van if the road's closed. Now, what do I do? So I came up with this story. I went to a, like a pharmacy they have there, and I bought a bottle of Benadryl. And I told the guy that came with me that's driving, I said, this is what you do. It takes us about three hours to get up there. So in three hours, tell the forest ranger on the bottom that one of the kids is having an allergic reaction. To, to something and you got to bring the Benadryl to the top of the mountain they'll open the gate and you'll come up we'll all pile in we'll come down brilliant right brilliant okay so really it's a little bit of a lie Rabbi Wasson shouldn't be lying but I thought it was pretty brilliant so we go to the top of the mountain and I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm waiting not happening I call him up it's very bad you have to find the spot I call him up I'm like What's going on? He said, I, uh, I told the ranger, and um, the ranger said, no problem, I'll bring it up. I'm like, she didn't let you in? He says, no, she's on her way up with the Benadryl. So, you know, they have those green trucks, whatever it is, so my whole trick didn't work. So she comes up, and she goes, uh, oh, you rabbi, I, I brought you up your Benadryl. I'm like, oh, thank you, this kid's having a reaction, whatever it is, but Lamaisa, it didn't work. So we had to climb back down the mountain which was very dangerous. It took us a very, very long time. It was a great idea. It should have worked. Okay. It's a true story. It's a true story. Fine. So, we go up to our hotel, up in the Catskills. We stay overnight. The next day, I know, I know my mountains very well. So there's a fishing spot in one of these roads that's a running brook, a running, like a running brook, and there's a big hole with very deep water there. And you can go swimming there. So I figured, you know what? Let me take my whole class swimming. It's very exciting. There's a current. And, and I know the place. It's fine. Okay. Nope. They all get into the water. It's ice cold. It's uh, April. It's ice coming. It's ice cold. And my whole class had their bathing suits because we went swimming in the hotel. And they jump into this, this big water, ice water, mamish ice water. Okay, I'm not going in. I'm not crazy, right? I'm watching them. I'm laughing. They're having a great time because you can jump off the rock. Everybody's having a great time. All of a sudden, this kid comes out of the water and he says, Rebbe, I can't see. I'm like, what? Rebbe, I can't see. I'm like, get into the van right now. What do you mean you can't see? And he starts shaking his head. He's like, I can't see. I can't see. He starts screaming, I can't see. And his ankles on the bottom of his feet are this big swollen and his wrists are swollen 
And I'm like, I'm losing. I was losing. I'm like, what's going on? What's going on? What is it? Did you get bitten? Whatever. And he goes, no, I can't see. Maybe help me. Help me. I can't see. I can't see. And I'm like, do you know what happened to you? He goes, I'm allergic to cold water. Really? There's such an allergy. I never knew there was such a thing. I'm like, I never knew there was an allergy. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to make it to the hospital. I'm in the woods. And I'm like, I'm standing in the front of the van and there's a bottle of Benadryl. And I'm like, oh my gosh. I open the bottle. I pour it into a cup. I must have given him 10 doses, right? <laughs> Slowly, I'm like, I'm, like, I'm, I'm like, everyone get dressed. Everybody get into the van. We're going to the hospital because I didn't know what was going on. Everyone gets into the van, whatever it is. And I keep giving him, I gave him that. I didn't, give, I didn't kill him, but I gave him a lot of Benadryl. By the time I got to the hospital, his swelling was gone. His vision was perfect. I called up his mother. That was the end of our trip. I called up his mother. His mother said, yes, he, I don't know why he didn't tell you. He's allergic to cold water. Even cold weather, when it's snowing and he's outside, it's very cold, he breaks out like this. I said, and what do you do for him? She goes, I give him Benadryl. <laughs> so, I say with Tzayin Chakir I took them on this trip because it was something I felt that would help them get closer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So Hashem put in my head to buy Benadryl? That whole, that whole road was closed? That I should buy, that I should come up with this crazy story? She didn't let us go up anyway? Hashem had to get that Benadryl into the van. Hashem had to get that Benadryl into the van. Now, for Hashem, he just got married this year, this boy. His name is Kfir David. If anyone wants to know if the tr- story is true, his name is Kfir David. And Kfir David, you can look, he's on my phone. And Kfir David just got married two months ago. Baruch Hashem. Had I not had that Benadryl in the car, I do not think he would have lived. It was a, I don't know what you call it, epileptic uh, reaction. I didn't have the EpiPen. He would have been gone. So you do the right thing. You do the right thing. And Kodesh Baruch Hu does the right thing for you. You should all have Atzlach. You should keep doing the right things. And we should see a big Yeshua in Eretz Yisrael. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.